talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Uh-oh, somebody's incognito this morning. <laughs> what the heck is that? I love it. It's fantastic. All right, now I have to go order a new mask. Uh-oh, I know. <laughs> oh. Happy Tuesday and welcome to Fight awesome. Club, everybody. Wow. Hi, Martha. Good morning. Rick is uh, coming to New Orleans for the QDS conference, so love it. we had to get us in theme. I love it. I'm yeah. ready. Awesome. I'm here for it. <laughs> that is a whole theme. That is beautiful. <laughs> uh, all right. Kick us off, Tay, after my... So, well, welcome back to Fight Club. That was an interesting start. I feel like I'm jolted a little bit <laughs> from the feathers and the masquerade ball mask there. But welcome back to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts, and this week we get to be joined by Rick Wallace. Thank you so much for joining us, Rick. Glad to be here. Awesome. We're so excited to have you. Can you just give our listeners kind of a brief rundown of yourself and your business? Yeah. um, Well, we started out doing uh, lawn maintenance and landscaping, and then we... uh, we still do that, but we transitioned into uh, lawn spraying. So we do a lot of uh, lawn spraying. We have about, um, let me see how many clients, 5,700 5, clients, lawn care clients. And now we're, uh, we're, we're trying to get into pest control. So um, just, uh, just kind of transitioning between industries. And, you know, when, when something isn't hard enough, we try to find something harder and beat ourselves against the wall for that much longer. So your typical business owner, I think. I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think we could all attest to that. Yeah. As if it isn't hard enough, let's go find a way to make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Rick. And For those new listeners or returning listeners, my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company with my husband in South Florida. My background is in marketing. So that's what I get to talk to Rick about today is a lot of marketing and how he did grow his business to, I think think I spread it was uh, 200,000 to about 5 million if I read correctly. So I'm going to talk to you about that and how marketing really played into that. But my uh, my love as well as social media. It's been a lot of fun to navigate the social world. Um, I am a micro influencer as well, and excited to be back here on Fight Club with all you awesome peeps. And happy Tuesday, everyone! Happy yeah. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. My name is Megan Likes. I am the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. My passion is educating and empowering small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. Also, a full service accounting firm, Likes Accounting Company. Uh, first week back post tax season. Yay! Uh, I am the CEO of Jeff Likes Clean Windows and Gutters and a host of other things, but I'm excited to be here. And Rick, I'm excited to get to know you. This is going to yeah. be fun. Mm-hmm. Hey there, Rick. I'm Michelle Myers. We're going to talk about systems when you hang out with me, which I feel like you might have a few. Getting from 200,000 to 5 million, you can't do it as a one-man band, and I'm sure there's a lot of really cool stuff behind you helping you out. 
Uh, I own Pink Collars, so we do remote admin services and we put CSRs or office managers in your business remotely if you need that help. And I'm also the proud owner of a Wise Coatings location in Loudoun County with my sweet husband who's out there killing it somewhere in the world. And I am grateful to meet you and to have you on Fight Club. Very cool. <laughs> Wise Coatings, that's a, is that's a franchise, isn't it? It is. It I, is. I think I've heard of that one before. With Brandon. That, yep. Brandon? Okay. Yeah. I've heard yep. of that one. Pretty neat. Unmute Martha. <laughs> wonder, no wonder you were interrupting me. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, everyone. <laughs> uh, for our listeners that don't know me at all, Rick and I banter a little. It's okay. It's it's all right. We like each other. Um, I'm Martha Woodward. I am co-founder of Quality Driven Software and employee performance software. And I owned a maid service for 13 years and um, just doing a few other odd things on the site. So welcome to Fight Club, Rick. I said... Bike Club taking on Rick Wallace is Ooh. how I put it. <laughs> okay. But we'll be nice to you. You be nice to us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I get to steal you first. I guess this really is sounding like more of a, a bout here. We're going bout for bout today. Going yeah. back to the roots of Fight Club. Um, Rick, so I'm excited. Marketing-wise, I've noticed there's a lot of cool things that y'all are doing there over at Liquid Lawn. And one thing I noticed that is something I'd be interested to see when you implemented it, when you kind of started this um, kind of guarantee that you have, right? Because you have a personal 100% no risk, we pay you guarantee. And that is a huge marketing play. And a lot of people are terrified of giving guarantees. Um, they're afraid that, you know, clients will just use and abuse it or that it's just not something that they can live up to potentially. When did that get implemented? Was that in the beginning, back when you kind of first started? Was that after you kind of started crossing some of those million dollar markers? When did that marketing kind of, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Because it's its own kind of uh, channel in a sense of giving that guarantee and trust to your clients. When did that really come into play? That was probably um, when we started Liquid Lawn about six years ago. And, um, you know, we guarantee no weeds and you know, some people in the industry, I guess, you know, you're doing the right thing when some people in the industry are saying, you know, you can't do that. That's dangerous. This is that because that means your competitors are probably not going to do it. And um, so we've, we've kind of done it from the beginning and or from the beginning of that company. And it's, it's worked out. And, and throughout the years, you know, we've, we've, um, we've kind of solidified that approach, you know, Consumers want a guarantee. It's it's kind of helps helps you close jobs. It, it gives you know comforts them and and um, and we, we can testify to this that that most people won't hold you to a you know they're not going to take you to the cleaners if something doesn't go exactly right. They'll let you work work through it. You know do do your service calls, do your follow ups, do your. Um, I mean, I have had a couple take me to the cleaners, but but <laughs> always uh, you know, I two, will say two out of two out of ten thousand isn't really that bad, you know. If you if you no, factor exactly. in all your all your customer interactions and all your past customers, all these things, so it's such a minute number that um, I think 
you know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. You could even build it into your operating cost. If, if that even, if it is, it's negligible. It is. And that's what I like that you said immediately in the beginning is that your competitors automatically tried to steer you against it. Right. And I feel like that's something we see a lot when it comes to guarantees is you want to do this for your customer. That's really shows the heart of the business owner and the heart of the business itself that they do very much value their customers and want to make sure they're always satisfied and happy. But sometimes what what happens is the the egos from other business owners kind of step in and try to bully you down to say, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not really how the industry works when it absolutely can work that way. And like you said, sometimes it doesn't happen the first time. It does take a few steps to get it right. But the clients are so understanding because that guarantee is in place that that's where you're able to really move that forward and keep that guarantee. And there always is going to be that one or two people that decide to take you to the cleaners and really be a royal pain in the butt. But at the end of the day, it's you're doing what's right for the clients, which is beautiful to see. Yeah, um, I think going against the grain is, is maybe it's a good thing in some cases. I know? think so. And it's funny you say that because you do go against the grain with marketing. I have seen this and <laughs> I would be remiss and the ladies would absolutely kill me if I did not talk about it. So we do have to chat about, I believe it's, I want to make sure I phrase this correctly. <laughs> the the concept of behind your marketing is really putting a condom on your lawn. Is that correct? It's like it's not going to get easier to say, Dave. Trying to make more phrasing things correctly here. All right. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That's more of a bubble that, that's protecting <laughs> the grass. You know, it's just a protective bubble. I don't. I don't know. Okay. It's really, you're really confusing. I don't know what kind of like perverted <laughs> mind you have, but, um, but what I see on that fire is a bubble and that bubble is protecting your lawn yeah. from disease and it's a protective covering. I don't. Is it protecting from seeds? I'm sorry. I just, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Like weed yeah. seeds, uh, infectious diseases, um, you know, insects i mean just anything that um that could that could damn it really infest your your lawn area you know but i, I, I don't know we have this link we need the link i'm frantically searching for the link so uh, show our listeners the bubble i know we have to show the listeners the uh okay. the very important bubble because okay. this bubble is important in a lot of aspects of life but for this in particular i I mean, it really has painted a picture. I mean, that's the thing is you can vis visually see exactly what you're talking about in this protection. And absolutely, people can take it different directions, however they want to. But how has that kind of visualization within the marketing helped? Because it has to have done something. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's contra it's, a, it's a little controversial. Um but at you know at the end of the day like um we test different things and you know i th i think that that particular mode wasn't super successful but we we tested it and um some people if i if i post it on like a facebook group it just blows up and just be like boom it's like she <laughs> could set a nuke off in a facebook group um but in reality, it's it's it, you know it didn't really cause a lot of, of stir. This little bit of banter had the trade. You know, our salesman kind of like knew how to kind of take it and play with it a little bit. And um, 
But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really not about creating controversy. It's about creating sales. And um, so if we see something that's kind of like, we look at the numbers, like we want sales, you know, we don't care about so much the controversy. So. And they're, but they're in the heart of it, right? At the heart of mm-hmm. this controversy, there is education. There is mm-hmm. a piece that you guys did take to really hone in on the education aspect of how this looks for a lawn, right? What right. this protection process looks like. And it, you did it in a way that absolutely can be controversial and can go and kind of, you know, piss some people off if it wants to. But at the end of the day, it's education and you've done it in a way that's visual. And to me yeah. as a marketing person, I've noticed a lot of people do really fall in that visual category. It's hard for them to conceptualize certain aspects of a service industry without being able to see exactly what they're ta- the salespeople are talking about. Yeah, I don't think you should ever be scared of like, um, you know, offending someone. You just you may not want to offend. You know, the goal is not to offend all of them. You know, because you want don't lose everyone. Sales, but but, you know, they say an effective marketing piece has is going. If it doesn't offend someone, it's not very effective. So that is very true. And there's you see that everywhere. I mean, you see that from small business owners up into corporate. I mean, it. This is something that happens all the time. And it is, it's, it's a learning opportunity for the business, which I think is great. You guys did use it as an AB testing opportunity, which if you're listening today and that's something you haven't really attempted to do, think about that because that's ways that you can trial run certain types of marketing and certain types of campaigns to see how they're going to react to your clientele and see how they're going to react, react to your local market. And it's important because if you don't know, if you don't try, you'll never know. And sometimes those tests end up being the things that transform the business. But if we didn't take that opportunity, if Rick didn't do that, he could have never known that, you know, visually that helps clients understand a little bit better, but it might not have been the best messaging. So then he can kind of take that and tweak it and adjust it to make sure it falls within the exact category that's best for his clientele. So we actually found a more offensive flyer worked better. Oh really? Okay. I'd love to hear it. I posted both, so we can let our we can let our listeners look at those. Uh, so they're both in the show notes. Um, I well, maybe maybe there's even a more offensive one. We'll let Rick post that one if there's yeah. another one. <laughs> no, but uh, but I think you know you got you got to test things on a small scale and then see like you know well, sometimes we'll get people saying you know. You'll get a lot. Like, I think the first it seems like the first time people get uh, a nasty Facebook message or a bad email or a bad, you know, they they drop their marketing. They say, oh, and there's so many people out there that are just, you know, I don't know. They just they're just looking. They're just I, I get a bunch of Facebook messages through our through our company saying you did this. You put this in our mailbox, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's just but but when you have the data that says track everything, you know, you want to listen to that. You do. And you're going I will tell you right now, and I'm sure Rick can back me up on this. You're never going to make everyone happy when it comes to marketing. It's it's just a matter of knowing who your clientele is and knowing exactly who that client avatar is, which we talk about a lot in the marketing segment. And the right clients for your business really won't be that offended by what you're doing marketing wise. They will support you. They'll understand the, the vision of it and they'll want to continue having service with you. The people that normally tend to get offended or 
don't necessarily see eye to eye sometimes with what you're putting out might not be your exact clientele and that's okay. We don't have to please everyone as a business. We just want to please the right people who we can serve properly and be able to grow and, you know, support our community. So I appreciate your time, Rick. And I know we talked a little bit about sales. There were some number drops in there a few times. So I'm going to go ahead and pass you off to Megan so you guys can talk about finances. Yeah, I I have two options for us today. Um, and I think we could have a really fun discussion going either direction. The first one is we could keep talking about marketing. Like, how do you how do you measure ROI, especially if you're doing mailers? Like, what how what are the levers you're looking for? Is that a booking rate? Is that a conversion rate? Is you know, how are you measuring whether your marketing efforts are effective and that they're returning what you want? Um, last week our guest kind of blew my mind because he said that I, and all week I've thought about this. So Ryan, you're in my head, but <laughs> he has, he said that we shouldn't talk about ROI and marketing. Um, we should just talk about client acquisition costs. And so I'm wondering if you kind of feel like you have those numbers dialed in or, you know, 200,000 to 5 million in six years is incredible growth. And I think a lot of our listeners are growth minded. They, they have these big goals, they have these big dreams. And sometimes it's really hard to like break it down. And it sounds like I've heard you mention, you've just dropped a few numbers. So I have a feeling you have a pretty clear system of like maybe the number of new recurring clients per season that you're wanting to attract or um, just, I, I would love to hear kind of your goal setting strategy. So do you want to keep going with the marketing route or would you like to move into goal setting discussion? Um, I'm fine with either. We could talk about marketing. Um, you know, I think the numbers are something I, I pay attention to. I think it's something I think I think it's something we can all we can all kind of you know approve on. <laughs> so I'm asking selfishly because we just started marketing at, at Jeff Likes Clean Windows, and mm -hmm. I find tracking leads is very hard. Like I didn't have good systems for tracking leads, and then matching ad spend to lead count is also really hard. So I'm like, this is, this is a lot of work. <laughs> this is a little exhausting. So tell us a little bit about like what, you know, do you have like a percentage that's your target uh, for ad spend or do you have like a net percentage? Um, a lot of times we have to sacrifice, sacrifice profitability for growth. So I'd love to hear how that's gone. Yeah, I think it, var it varies for me depending on the year and the goals. Like, you know, one year we might want to grow we might want to cruise like last year we kind of cruised. We did kind of a really efficient marketing campaign and just kind of dialed back any anything, any excesses. Um, and this year we kind of had a bigger marketing push. Um, so it's kind of, I guess for us, it's, we don't really have a I know that what is the industry standard like what we're all supposed to do? Uh, 5% well, or 10%? I think it totally depends. Two, 5 and 15, depending on what your yeah. is. I mean, I've never spent more than one. So I don't think they screw industry standards. Um, but I have a strong brand, right? And so my they say that my marketing dollars go further because of that effectiveness of the brand. Now yeah, we're spending... Well, yeah, <laughs> it depends on how, how explosive, you know, how explosively you want to grow. Because I... I hear some people say these things like they spend this amount of money on on like Google or they spend this amount of money on this and um, direct mail doesn't work or Facebook doesn't work. And, you know, but but there's but a lot of times you get in these these scenarios where where Google like Google pay per click, there's not enough volume of searches to like 
Like you can't, you can't, you, it's not even function. You can't even grow, like have explosive growth. If you, if you use some of these avenues, cause you'll max them out. You can, you can put your max budget as $500 a day. But if the, if the, if the community is only, if there's only a hundred dollars a day worth of demand, then you can't, you can't even meet your, you know, ad spend budget. So, um, so I guess it depends, you know, just depends on, on, the, your explosive growth, how much you can afford to, to, to do it. Um, you know, let's I mean, sometimes like, let's, let's talk about that. Let's go back five years ago. So your second year in business, I'm guessing, you know, you had some money, but probably not a lot. How did you make those choices? What did you prioritize in terms well, of? Well, I mean, we had a landscape business, so we kind of, you know, we kind of transitioned into spraying. So we did have like money to throw at things and that's marketing is something that I think, um, I've always spent a good bit of money on marketing. I, I, I believe in, in, I believe in it. Um, but I, but I understand all the bad sentiments against it, you know, because of, because we go through all those things too. I mean, it's a mental challenge, you know, to spend money on something, whether it's Google, Facebook, or the, some of these intangible assets and you just, yeah, hope, hope it, you know, I guess you at some point you're hoping it works, but that's kind of like you're testing and you got to track everything. And so like and it comes back to like what you're talking about, customer acquisition cost, um, ROI, which I think I think both of those are really important because you kind of want to because I feel like if you know your return on investment, um, you can spend more on your cost of acquisition. So, so you like have, you're, you're somebody, direct, directly related to your ROI. Yeah. So do you have somebody internally that's helping you track all of that? Or no, like, I, I do. I do most of it myself, actually. So how do you preserve your data? Like, you know, I, I'd imagine you have a pretty high volume of leads that are coming in. And so, you know, we're dependent on the person who's answering the phones to, you know, attribute that lead to the right source. Um, but what about like for me, Yelp is a new game I've been playing and I really like my my cost per lead. It's it's my lowest one right now. Um, and like you said, I've maxed out on Google My Business. And so we're trying to get creative. So I love Yelp, but there's a lot of crickets in the Yelp inbox. And so it's hard to track. Like I've, I've created a zap that will put all the Yelp leads into a Google sheet, but it's very manual. So do you have any tricks for us about how to track those lead flows and how to track that ROI? Are you, are you getting them from the inbox or are they emailing you or calling you? Well, so right now, the way the Yelp leads work is they just chat. It's, you're paying per every chat initiation in the app, in the Yelp app. Can you get them off the chat into a... Um... That's totally the goal. And so the question is like, when do we count it? Do we count it when we pay for it, which is when they go in the chat box? Or do we count it when they make it into our response bid system? And then we should definitely count it once they make it into our bank account, right? Or our, let's say calendar instead. Yeah, it is. It, it is hard. They make it, they're making it harder, aren't they? <laughs> and same with Facebook, right? So Facebook messages, you're like, okay, well, I got I got a lead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now <Yeah>. what? <laughs> well, we've been trying to get those into a web. Some uh, well, we have gotten those into an email submission. Perfect. Then when it emails the the salesperson, they know exactly where that lead is coming from. Mm. And then, so I guess I guess the the. The, the trick is getting that from like, I guess, getting your zap to convert them into an email submission. Um, 
you know, where they, you can at least get their information into an email, then into your software, then you track it in your software. Mm -hmm. And then once it's in the software, I feel like it's there forever. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. totally. So what's your favorite advertising avenue these days? Um, or what's your mix? What's your favorite mix? You know, I mean, we, we try a lot of them. I mean, we do all, all of the major ones. We do, um, Google pay-per-click, um, you know, and I watched that one. I there's a lot of I don't know if you guys manage do y'all manage your Google account yourself or do you pay somebody? Pay somebody. Pay company. Yeah. It's it's I really didn't understand it until I got in there and like paid somebody to teach me how to do it. Um so I mean I still have like somebody I meet with a couple weeks. I have like a free floating campaign out there, but I meet with somebody every couple weeks to kind of like go in there and see it. And, you know, it's, it's almost one of those things where it's like, it helps to like understand how it works. And then you kind of like, because otherwise you're paying somebody a thousand dollars a month or $500 a month, and you don't really know what you're getting. And you don't really like marketing is like, oh, what is marketing like? What's, it's like, <laughs> like marketing agencies and marketing. I feel like it's like a whole bunch of imaginary, like, <laughs> and right. like splits and glam. Glitter. <laughs> There's a lot of glitter in marketing. I always say it's like the sexiest topic. It's like leprechauns or like serpents or, <laughs> you know, Drew or musicians. He like owns a marketing agency and he's just loving it. Drew, you're in the glitter business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but if you do a good job it's at, money. at, being transparent, then, you know, you're an anomaly in the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's very few like that though. I think it's almost like a pay for performance model, which would be, um, which would be cool, you know, or yeah, sort of ads. I think that's how they do it. They actually take a percentage of revenue as yeah. they're and they're, they're like we're in the same we're on the same team we're in the yeah. same we're in the same game when you win i win and i'm like oh i like that <laughs> yeah it is kind of risky for the marketing company i think to do that right. you know right. it has to have be results based which is cool mm -hmm. but there's there's a lot of other things i mean it, it's a big risk because like as a company we're responsible for all the creatives like your ad marketing company is like if you're relying on them for your creatives it's, i mean they're probably going to suck you know so <laughs> I have to give a shout out. Ashley Bissing with One Love Social has been killing it for Jeff Likes Clean Windows. And she does some some silly things. Not as scandalous as a condom in an ad, but you know, like <laughs> there's there's kissing in some of them. And uh no, yeah, she's she's ha we're having so much fun on Facebook right now with Ashley. Um well, and really it was fun. my first time releasing yeah. my creative and I was like, uh, is it still gonna be the DNA of my company? Is it still gonna match our culture? And it, it's been really fun. So yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. What's, what's the goal for this year? What's the current run rate? Like, have you, are you done with all of your spring sales? No, we're still, we're still pushing. Um, you know, we've, we've, um, I will say like this year has been a little bit harder for us than other years. We've had to work a little bit harder. Um, we've had more, I've done more creative style stuff. Like, I mean, creatives is in like the ad copy, the pictures, the videos, um, and I think one thing that um, that that's kind of stuck with me this year is, you know, um, 
you know, Josh working with Josh, Josh Lattimore, I went through one of his marketing courses online, which was really good. And, you know, you can go into Facebook ad library and see what your competitors are doing, which is really cool. And, but if you go, he says like the most successful ones, um, they do hundred, you know, service businesses or, or, you know, you see these internet Facebook marketing companies, they do thousands of ads, you know? And when you think of like the variations most service companies do, it's like two or three, which is like, that's not going to cut it. You know, like if you really want to find the, the, the pot of gold, you're going to have to try a lot and you've got, and you're you have to fail a lot. Right. And yeah. Your scary part, right? You're gonna have you're gonna have campaigns that are gonna bust, and you're gonna waste some money. I feel like I've once burned through twenty five thousand dollars in Facebook ads, and like I'm still shy about it. Now mm. I'm like, I'm still nervous about it. Uh, that that one still hurts. So yeah, you have to get comfortable with failure, right? And you have to be willing to get in there and check it and measure it. Mm. Oh, that yeah, that was something else I was gonna mention. You know, because like it's almost. You, you know, um, Josh kind of explained it to me. It's kind of like a batting average. Like if you think about going up to bat, most hitters, it's a good batting point, you know? So like, if you're going to fail 70% of the time, if you fail 70% of the time, you're an all-star. <laughs> That's a really good mindset. Pass you on to Michelle with. Yeah. Um, so, so I feel like, let me just wrap up this finance section and say that what I heard you say was you, you have to watch it. Um, and I think as the CEO, you have a responsibility to, to be aware of what's happening in your marketing team. So be aware of what the spend is, where the spend is, and maybe even have some, you know, some education around what your service providers are doing. Um, working with somebody that speaks your language and will take the time to explain to you their process and explain to you the results. Um, we have a goal setting review meeting every month with each of our marketing companies. And I, I tell them, I, they know I'm a pain in the ass, but I'm like, okay, so we're going to go over the results from last month. We're going to set goals for this month. And I'm going to hold you accountable if you don't meet your goals and we're going to get better. And this is how long your runway is before I pull the plug. Mm -hmm. And I treat it just like I would treat a staff person. So we have a responsibility, I think, to do that. Um, and then the other thing I, I heard you say is like, once you set a plan, stay the course. So you're, you, you're going to commit to throwing some money at it and you're going to let it ride and you're going to do your tweaks and you're going to do what's in your power, but you're not going to, the first failed campaign or the first angry like message, you're not going to shut it all down. You're going to be okay with a little bit of failure. And, uh, and Rick's parting comment was 70% <laughs> bad is still killing it. So I loved that. Um, and I'm going to pass it to Michelle and hopefully you guys can sort out more systems. Hey, um, yay. I can't wait. I can't wait. Actually, I want to talk about money first. Sorry, Megs. You didn't talk about too much money. I, I have a money question. Um, so I was on with uh, Marvin Salcedo. You may know him. Yep. Awesome lawn care guy. And we were talking about services that you have to sunset, which is a very scary thing as a business owner. And it sounds to me like you used to do services that we're at the $200,000 mark and now you're at the $5 million mark and some of those services you probably don't provide anymore. How did you make that decision? Because I think people get really freaked out by letting go of some of the things that got them to where they were. 
tell me how you looked at it objectively and said, okay, this is a system or a service that I am no longer going to provide. And then how did you message that to your team so that they didn't feel like the ship was going down or something was wrong? I think a lot of business owners are in that flex space right now this year as they're seeing new opportunities like you are in pest control. Okay. That was a big question. Go. <laughs> well, we still do a lot of all of our services really. We still really? Do okay. Landscaping and, um, you know, so, um, but I, you know, I think that is, I think it's just about building enough income to let go of something comfortably, you know, and if, and if it, I think getting to a point mentally where you're, where you're capable, you know, you, you're comfortable making that jump or it makes sense. That's, that's when you do it. Okay. So then when you want to add something on the positive side, how do you enlist your ops team to learn a whole new skill or do a whole new thing? Is pest control so far out of the box or is it similar enough that it's the same skill set for your team? How does that work? Um, it's pretty similar. Um, I think um, we, we've hired people with experience. So that's kind of a, a cheap, you know, uh, maybe a shortcut. A quick way to get it done. Okay, beautiful. Have you gone out into the marketplace and tried to look at your competitors and hire people from there? Or have you just done regular hiring? How have you acquired people that may have that experience? How have you found them? Um, I believe in um, advertising, marketing for people. Um, yeah. But in that scenario, we we just found some disgruntled people that um, they got bought out and really it were, it was a good easy transition. Cool. Have you purchased another business at all and brought it in or do you just acquire the employees as part of your strategy? Yeah, we purchased a couple really small businesses. Um, yeah. You know, we haven't made any huge purchases, but I think like if you're going to start in a new market or start a new service, um, that's a that's a that's a really great way to get started, you know, because they're not very expensive, you know, probably less than a hundred thousand dollars to, and you can structure how you buy a business, you know, sure. to be almost nothing. Um, so, um, it that's an easy way. It's a shortcut. It's probably we're starting in one location. We're starting pest control from the from the ground up, and mm -hmm. um, it's like. It's uh, it's sort of like chewing glass. Uh, <laughs> Good Lord. That sounds know. terrible. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, I heard that phrase from Elon Musk one time about when he Tesla. But yeah, that's um, they, so buying a company already having some momentum is, you know, sometimes it's, even if you overpay a little bit, it's it might be worth the money. Okay, so now that you've done it, tell me how you've kind of smashed those two uh, companies together and which systems sort of took over. Did you choose the larger of the business to use its systems and kind yeah. of fold in the smaller? You did? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Mm -hmm. You did. Okay. And then how about the culture? I'm leaning on Martha a tiny bit here. How about the culture of those people? Did you bring them in and really invest in them to be part of your culture so that they could feel like they were continuing on as a part of your business, how did that, you know, com combination work? Well, I think, I think, um, I think the truth is, I guess that sometimes that they don't match and it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so, so, and this goes back to, to failing. Like some of the people we, we hired didn't work. Um, they didn't match with the culture 
and um, it's just like it was just like oil and water. So they kind of, they they kind of fell off, and um, the ones that that had the work ethic, that had the passion, kind of stuck. So um, and and that was you know that that was hires I've made that were bad, and um, or, or maybe I don't know if you want to say bad, maybe maybe a, not a good fit. <laughs> And we want to be here. Um, so, so then, so then you kind of, but then it goes back to failing, you know, it's kind of like, I think we're all so scared of failing that, um, and embarrassment and everything that comes along. Like, it's easy to sit here and say like, you know, you need to fail more, you know, that's how you learn. But then like, when you actually do it, it's kind of like, oh, oh. it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> It's terrible. I don't want to be here sitting here saying like, I'm the best. I'm, I can recover from failure from the best. You know, it's like, <laughs> know, it's like really painful. And it sucks. I, I noticed your picture. Let me change subjects really quick. But I noticed your picture for our episode. It looks like you've got some flight stuff on. Are you a pilot? Do you yeah. fly a plane? Mm -hmm. Tell me about how, I, how that activity of flying a plane is similar to kind of running a business. Cause I feel like people's hobbies and who they are in their work world are often really in alignment. Tell me how those two kind yeah. of match in your world. Hmm. <laughs> well, there's always the possibility of crashing. <laughs> Don't say that. No, You're the hero of your own story. What are you talking about, Rick? <laughs> I just, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, I thought of it that way, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, you know, when you have, when you're a pilot, you have a certain degree of freedom and, um, and you have to take risk, calculated risk. Um, it's really, it's, there's a lot of similarities. That's a good question. Um, you know, you have to be competent enough to, 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 to make those calculations, you know, I mean, it's one thing running out of fuel in a car. But, uh, you know, it can be devastating running out of fuel in an airplane. <laughs> so, Lord. so you got to make sure you're calculating the wind and the, the you know, the everything that that uh, that's that's involved. And then and then sometimes it's like um, one of my favorite parts of flying is is, you know, it's sometimes it's you versus the good Lord, you know, um, because he's up there with thunderstorms and wind and ice and all these things you kind of have to. Um, just see if you can make it, you know, which is, which is, you know, challenging. I mean, I don't say like, that's the goal of it, but it, there is that kind of inevitable, you know, makes it more interesting. That pressure. Yeah. It makes it more interesting. A little bit like owning a business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You never know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> Oh, this was super helpful. One last question, because I do work on systems and I always ask when somebody does scale to a larger company what software have they found has served them throughout those stages of their business or have they changed CRMs in the process from the 200 to the 5 million? Have you been able to use the same tools or do you need something different? Um, and then tell us about that journey. Yeah, I think, I think when I think of systems, I think of software yeah. and, you know, that's what really builds, you know, the, your, um, for scale, more scalable businesses like lawn care and, you know, all these, you know, um, cleaning, I guess, and all these things that are so, you know, you can compartmentalize so easy with, uh, sir, you know, software. Um, we've, we've been with service autopilot since, um, since the beginning. And I guess 
um, we're kind of lucky in that way that it's been able to scale. And, and I, I, you know, I think I've gotten to the point where we've gotten frustrated with service autopilot. You know, we kind of like one of the first people with Jonathan Potoshnik and, you know, and I wish he was still running it. (laughs) Um, But you know, so we kind of went through this scenario where we were looking around and then we're like, man, we're not happy with this. Like, how cool would it be to have like a call tracking system in your software? Like, God, that would be awesome. <laughs> everything, record every call, you know, yeah. like <laughs> service Titan has that, you know. <laughs> but yeah. they don't, they, their scheduling modules are for air conditioner, not for us, mm. you know, and it's kind of like there's, but then when you get to service autopilot, like it's really, really good for the maintenance and you know, like yep, it's it good for, so then it's like, there's nothing perfect. You know, there's nothing out there. perfect. Like, like we, we've got on this, we, we thought about switching to serve suite or something. And then, you know, then you start talking to people, their system went down for three days. Like oh. autopilot <laughs> has never gone down, you know? Yeah. And it's like, like you think about like I think Orkin uses Surf Suite. Imagine how much money they lost in three days. Like I don't know, oh fifty million dollars of you know like. Lord. <laughs> like if you think about like losing a day, sometimes those aren't recoverable. You know, like you know, there's only so many days in a year. If you're able to fill all of them out, and you lose three of them. You're those you lost. They're gone. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's frustrating, and I think the thing is like like probably what you would preach is just like. What do you think? Like, just you gotta try them on. Yeah. You just got to try them on. And every person and every business is different and they're going to use them differently and they need different data out of them. So it's really, really up to the business owner to decide what they need. So this was super helpful, Rick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pass you off to Martha. This was fun. I'm putting my mask back up there to say that, uh, Drew and Tyler, and when we talked about Marvin, they're all going to be in New Orleans. So that'll be fun. Um, One thing I have to say about Rick that's not really related to culture. So I just want to say that I've watched you. You're really good at, um, like for yourself, you never take a, it can't be done type of excuse like that doesn't work in my area that just isn't something that Rick would really say and I've seen you in the group and you'll try to change somebody's mind or perspective for a little bit and then you're like I'm done and as you should be because you know there's some people who are just in their own way and are going to always think that you know, you can't do it because of blah, blah, blah. So I do really love that. And I, I have a feeling that you just love challenges. And if if somebody else isn't succeeding in an area, that's probably your cue to go, mm, I, we can do it, you know? So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I think what I want to talk to you about is how you hold your field staff accountable because I have a feeling that you're very big on accountability um, and we can even discuss that with management too uh, 
And I also have a feeling that those who do what you need them to do and fit in your culture, you love, but then you have no patience for people who aren't going to fit into the mold. And I mean, I get it. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about accountability. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I might could use your help on this subject, actually. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I think I think it's hard. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I got to figure it out because I, I don't. Um, and it's constantly um, it's a it's a it's a problem with, uh, you know, keeping, you know, keeping people employed. You know, it's like a balance of like, I don't know, it's 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 a it's not easy. Um mm-hmm. You know, so I would say like we do we do pay for performance on on some of our services and it works. Works pretty well. Um, I think it works well with retention because, you know, they get, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, they get paid for their actual time they spend. But I actually do have some problems with accountability. Like, you know, we use your surveys. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that, uh, that we get and, um, review and call every single customer that, that makes a complaint, um, and try to get in front of, um, those things. But, you know, um, that's actually, that's actually something we could probably use some, uh, some Martha Woodward consulting on, cause we're, we're struggling. Like we've got the, where we got the retention, but some of the quality, we're not happy with some of the, some of the quality issues, you know, um, and how do we, how do we, how do we, how do we hold people accountable? Is it, you know, is it, pu- is it punitive? Is it, um, cause I think we've gotten the reward part, right? We just, we yeah. need to take the, the, I mean, how did you keep your cleaners? Um, if they, if they messed up, if they forgot to, you know, clean a shower door or something, what, what was their commutative damage? So, for me, and it's it's funny. It's so I just had to do a talk for Service Autopilot, actually. Um, and it was called The Art of Accountability. And um, at the QDS conference, I was supposed to be doing a talk on, n- nobody knows this, and it's actually in print that I'm doing a talk on becoming Culture First Certified. I'm going to give them a little bit of that, but I'm actually going to do that art of accountability talk because I feel like I start thinking about it. I think a lot of people need it. And I mean, you know, I don't have it a hundred percent dialed in either, but I would tell you that there are three paths that should be present in your company and you'll have the path of, the disciplinary route and that they're, you know, if basically you don't straighten up that you're going to be out the door, you have that middle path of people who do enough to stay employed and, you know, may do okay, but they're not hitting the pay for performance standards, which is that third path. Um, I think the hardest thing you know, not everybody does pay for performance and there are so many variations of that. You know, I think people hear pay for performance and think they've got to have some percentage bump on their payroll, et cetera. 
Uh, it doesn't have to be that. Um, but I think the biggest problem for people is that what I call the left road, the disciplinary road, actually following through with that process, because that's, you know, like you said, it's painful. It's really painful. But I think I was pretty decent at that. And that really helped me. Now, in the beginning years, I was, I absolutely sucked at it. You know, I was terrible. Um, but when I started getting very good at standing behind what our policies were, now they could, I also created a system where they could earn more allowances, earn. And, um, but when I started getting good at that, really, I felt like things started falling in line. And then I didn't ever want a company that was all about the negative. And that's really when I put the positive into there. So that's it in a nutshell for me. But um, because you will have to let people go, then I also learned to be pretty good at pumpkin planning my clients and having the best clients. So, you know, if, if I'm letting people go, then, oh, you know what? Maybe it's time to tighten up our radius that we serve, or maybe it's time to drop this, like for us, monthly service that I didn't want to do. You know, there were things that I could do to actually create a stronger company um, because I had to, <laughs> because of manpower. But a lot of times it's more profitable anyway. Well, let me ask you, like, let's say, let's say we were, we're pay for performance and we're out spraying lawns and then we've got a customer call in um, off of one of your, or let's say we got one of your surveys mm -hmm. and um, they say they got weeds in their lawn. And of course we got the technician that did it. Um, what kind what, what would you, obviously they're going to go back and treat the lawn mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily going to get paid for that. But what we found is that's not, in fact, they could, they could say, well, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not even going to do a good job doing the service call. So like, well, how do you, how would you hold them accountable in that scenario? Yeah. Well, for us, somebody could have five, essentially five complaints in a 60 day period and they were gone if it was more than that. But now that would be different for everyone because, you know, like a solo house cleaner is doing two to three jobs a day. And, uh, and then if they're a team, you know, maybe they're doing four or five. So that's different. My numbers would be different, but we had, I, I had to determine what I felt was allowable and, you know, like true, true, mm, allowed, quality mistakes, like true human error versus I don't give a crap. 
you know? Uh, so you have to figure out what that number is. And I was okay with true human error. I was not okay with, I don't care. And so my system was set up to where you have this much and, um, and every step of the way you see, and in, in um, QDS, you can actually see, I, I would move people from green level one to level two yellow to level three red. And so when I met with the management staff, that's what I wanted to know. How many people are in yellow? How many people are in red? So I know in my head where we're at. So we, uh, we've been using the HR module in QDS for uh, almost three years now. And I just learned this year that we were not using it correctly. Uh, so Martha had met with two of the leaders in my company and had said like, uh, yeah, you don't have your triggers set up correctly. And, and we had set the policies, but we'd never set the consequences to the policies or like the timeframes to the policies. And we had like mm -hmm. a manual system and then we had the QDS system. So we kind of doubled down on this last month, Rick. And I, I kind of encourage you to meet with Martha and meet with your team. But it was so fun because she actually has the list of the things. And then we already had the policy for the thing. And then right. we just had to define the consequence for the thing. And then we put it all in QDS and we relaunched it to our team. And we're like, okay. And we're right now in a 30 day, like it's a mock period where we're just trying to get everybody back in alignment. And then we're going to go into our normal, like yellow, green, red. But Martha, I think it's so funny. Cause I, I did, I set it up and then I, I missed like a super critical step, which is like, <laughs> here are the triggers of the consequences, right? Like two verbals are written and termination. I missed that part of it. Um, so Rick, you're in, you're in good company if that makes you feel better. And I love this HR module of QBS. Like it, it has everything we need. And now we can do the color-based who's in, who's in yellow, who's in red. And that'll actually soon be coming on your report that goes out weekly to your um, employees, but then also uh, admin report. So it'll be good. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it isn't easy. Now, one thing that I really don't hear people do, and maybe this is why I could hold to my policies so well, is um, I, I had ways they could earn extra. So in regards to quality, um, I remember I had one girl, I loved her, but she was a little like me in that I'm not a detailed person. If I had to clean a house, I would be, it wouldn't be because I didn't care. It'd be because I'm just not that detailed. These, they can all say, oh yeah, I cannot proofread a thing. <laughs> and, um, and so I created a system where if you had perfect attendance, for that month is the way I did it. You got an extra allowed complaint. And, you know, because to me, everything's a give and take. Right. And if you're excelling in this area, then I'm going to give you a little over here, you know? And then I did the same with um, attendance. I, I had more problems with attendance. So we had a lot of single moms and so I had a system set up that if your quality score for the month was above this level, 
you get an extra allowed unplanned absence. And, but that was part of our policy. Um, that is not built into QDS, but you can override. So you can, there's a way you can work around it. Mm, okay. So it's just something to think about. But I do think that's one of the ways that I could hold to my policies and see that the people who, the people who don't care are never going to earn those extras. And so to me, that was the beauty of the system because only the people that excelled in an area were going to earn the extras and the people who accidentally got through all of our weed out process and stuff, they weren't going to earn them. And so I could, I could exit them out of the company quicker um, because they didn't get any extras. So hmm. anyway, okay. Um, well, I can pick up the HR module and I probably need to get into the software and see, like, I guess it, I probably need to get into the software more and look um, into your software and just see if I can see any correlation between complaints and certain technicians. Yeah, we can look at that then. But anyway, um, Tay, I'm going to pass it back to you. We could go on and on forever. And uh, it's been fun. And uh, at the beginning, Rick, I was thinking Rick is the one that's on the best behavior between those two girls in the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> All right, Tay. Awesome. Well, our homework. We are at homework. So Rick, you are more than welcome to give homework um, at the end. We will kind of go through our little spiel here for our listeners real quick. As a reminder, we do assign homework at the end of each show to hold you accountable to what you listen to today. So we are about to give you about four to five pieces of homework that is too much to handle within one week. We want this to be something that is effective and moves the needle forward for your business. So please make sure to only choose one piece of homework and make sure it's something that really spoke to you today. Something that you know you've been needing to do that has been on your to-do list that you need to get done and you heard something today that kind of sparked that reminder and is going to put that into action for you this week. So we do have an accountability group, which we will post in the comments. If you do have questions or need help with homework, that is there as well for you. Um, but yeah, as far as homework goes, that's just spiel. and marketing wise, I am going to challenge you this week, which I'm pretty sure I've given this homework before, but I don't think you can ever give it too much. I would like you to really focus on AB testing this week and find something that may be controversial, maybe something that is like, not something you're you know, followers and your clientele is used to seeing from you and see how that reacts, but also do one that is kind of a little bit opposite of that. That's the whole point of A-B testing is to take two concepts talking about the same, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The same topic, I guess you could say, same marketing topic. So if we're talking about lawn care specifically and we're talking about weeds, we want to take one that can be controversial. We want to take one that can be educational, but less controversial. See how they react to your audience. How do they take that piece of marketing? How does it work for the sales end of it and bringing leads in? And from there, just let it roll for a little bit. Like Rick said, you got to let these things play out. So let it go for a week, two weeks and design that campaign around 
those two topics, see how it works, and then go from there. Sorry, Megan, that was long. No, that was good. <laughs> I, I'm the note taker, Rick, so I'm like, ah, that was a good one. Um, so I am going to, I do my own homework usually, or not my own or somebody else's homework, but I do homework every week. So if you're a listener and you need inspiration, like this is really helpful to keep us like moving forward in our businesses. So I'd like to do my homework uh, this week. And the finance homework is going to be tracking your leads. So coming up with a system that figures out like, what do you count as a lead? And do you have a good way to track it systematically? Um, I feel like as we move into these other avenues that aren't quite as obvious as a phone call or an email or a form submission, it's harder to track those leads. So I'm going to challenge us all to kind of count how many leads are actually coming in every week. And then you can get a better idea of what is that lead conversion rate or what is that lead slippage rate? So that's going to be your finance homework for this week. Ooh, and usually I do something, Rick, that's super techie and kind of nerdy. But this week, I want to go totally different and do a little bit of self-reflection. And I want you to see what it is that you do as a hobby or something fun like flying and see how those skills could be translated into your business. Take a few minutes of reflection and write down some of those top things that make you a good pilot or a good skier or a good baker and write down what those can be that you could translate into your business this week. Kind of tie those things together for you and your team. That's your systems homework. And my homework is going to be, I think I'm going to have you look at maybe your top two policies that are causing you trouble without a lack of a better way. So whether that's your attendance policy, your quality policy, um, what policies are you maybe not following and you need to reevaluate and maybe um, revise? So top two policies and look and see if they need revision. And then Rick, you have any homework? Um, you know, I think I think it would be interesting to to try to figure out what your cost, your client acquisition cost is. Just a rough number, mm-hmm. and just 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 to see what what that comes to. And then, because I mean, it, it you kind of have to have you kind of have to be tracking leads to know what you know what's going where and. Um, but it would be nice to know if you know that figure, if something's costing you 50 bucks and you're like, well, that's cost me 50 bucks per client. Maybe I should do a hundred more of those. And then you can be like, wow, I can grow my business to, that's really the trick to scale in your business. If you can, if you can have all these other little things in place, um, and then figure out how much money you can spend. Then you can figure out how many trucks you need to buy and how many people you need to hire, blah, blah, blah. So cost of acquisition, I think would be ideal. Just an idea. I like it. Really good one. Mm. If um, one of our listeners wants to get in touch with you, kind of chat with you further about business, what would be the best way for them to get into contact with you? Yeah, we have a Facebook group, uh, lawnlogic.com. That'll kind of, you can go there and and we'll get you in a a Facebook group to kind of talk with other, other people that are interested in growing their business. Love it. And we always end our uh, our sessions together with a quote, Rick. And I found this one while we were chatting. Oh, we're not says, pray. I thought we were going to pray. No praying. No praying. <laughs> I am a pastor's daughter, so I could whip it out if I needed to. Okay. 
Uh, but no pain today. Uh, to the victim, adversity is bad. But to the leader and warrior, hard times are life's richest times of growth, opportunity, and possibility. Use them to fly. I thought it tied in really beautifully with what you do in your, your piloting land. Thank you so much for joining us. This was really helpful and a lot of fun. I loved learning from you today. So everybody yeah. have an awesome day out there. Yeah. We'll see you in New Orleans. That was, a, that was a great benediction. Thank you. Ah, good times. Good times. <laughs> for business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for business.